You know, there's a, a several uh, years ago, uh, there was a, a survey that was done in, uh, in California, and it was asked people, what is the thing that they want most in life at this time? And it had dozens of things they could choose from, from, you know, money to a big position to this to this. I mean, just about anything you could think of. But there was one that stood out way far above the others. It was by far the number one thing. It was in 80% of the people's top three and far and away number one, and it was this. I just want some peace of mind. And maybe some people can relate to that. And remember the, the Boston mega hit? I understand about indecision. Come on. I don't care if I get behind. People living in competition. All I want is to... There you go. There you go. Peace of mind. And, and you, you think about it, that is something that is absolutely huge, something we want. If I was to ask, I don't even have to ask the question, how many of you, you know, have ever struggled with anxiety or worry or anything like that? Because every hand would go up. But let me ask you this. How many of you this week, in one way or another, struggled with some thoughts of anxiety? My hand's up here. I mean, look at this. Because Satan's trying to make you think that you're the only one struggling with that. Every single one of us, that we're in a study right now on the battle for the mind. And one of the biggest ways that, that Satan would go after us is with anxiety. It can totally affect our life. And let me tell you some things about, about worry. First of all, worry never helps, does it? I mean, you can't think, there's not one time in my life that I can look back and go, man, I'm so glad I worried there because it just helped the situation so incredibly. In fact, Jesus said this, who of you by worrying can add a moment to your life? And we're going, no one, right? Worry has never helped the situation and has never helped my feeling about the situation ever, 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 not once. In fact, you can probably relate to me and say the exact opposite is it has hurt time and time again. And that's the, the second thing, worrying hurts us. Now, the definition of worry, there's several of them, and, and here's the first two, to cause to feel uneasy, anxious, distressed, or troubled. Another is a source of nagging concern. Now, every one of us are going, absolutely, can relate to that completely. It's the next two I want to look at because it's really insightful. And the first one is, is this, to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. I mean, think about this. I mean, I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to be is tormented, right? I mean, that's a powerful, powerful word. And the last person I want to be tormented by is moi, right? I mean, and think about it. It's saying that when we are, when we are, uh, are worried, we are actually choosing not only to be tormented, but to be the one who torments ourselves. Now, think about something else. If you've ever seen a dog or a cat shake an animal, and you know what I mean, just shake that thing like, uh, like crazy until it's just completely, it either dies or it's, or it's worn out and frazzled and discombobulated and everything and, and just kind of lays there. Or if you've ever seen the pictures in the National Geographic or the things on the Discovery Channel where a, where a lion or a, or a leopard or a cheetah grabs an animal by the, by the throat and takes it down and suffocates it. I've seen that several times in person. And, and you have the picture. Here's another definition. To seize by the throat with teeth and shake or mangle as one animal does to another or to harass by, being, by repeating, biting and snapping. Is that not the perfect picture of what worry is? I mean, it just frazzles us. It shakes us. It, it makes it where even when, if, we, if it doesn't destroy us, we're discombobulated. We don't even know what ends up. We're, we're, we're confused. We're hurt. We're frazzled. We're, we're worn out. All of that, and sometimes it just feels like 
that, that something is suffocating our joy, suffocating our, our, our life. What a picture of, of worry there. And here's some other things. Worry and anxiety leads to a bunch of physical problems. It increases our blood pressure. It can give us ulcers, acid reflux, irritable bowel problems. It weakens our immune system. It leads to cardiovascular problems, digestive and respiratory problems. It lessens our sex drive. It leads to exhaustion. It ruins your manicure from biting your nails. <laughs> that wasn't a, was a ladies thing, if you can tell. It robs us of sleep. It robs us of peace and joy. It's absolutely impossible to have peace and joy and worry at the same time. It takes away life literally and figuratively. There was one other thing that it did. What, oh, it, uh, it makes it way we don't remember as well, too. Uh, worry, you think about it, worry is a smack against God. I mean, in a, in a big way, what it is is saying, and this is what bugs me when I'm worrying. It's, it's me saying, God, I know you're big. I know you're wonderful. I know you're awesome. I know you can handle anything, but I really don't think you can handle this situation. I believe this situation is too big for you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be worrying about it. And it's also a spiritual attack on our life, isn't it? Because anything that robs our health, anything that robs our joy, that robs our peace and robs our faith, that is something that's a spiritual attack against our very being and who we, and who we are. And something, you know, there's this, there's this amazing thing. Since we're talking about the mind and everything, we're going to talk about worry as, far, as, as, as concerns the mind. There's this amazing thing inside of our brain called the amygdala. And this is an almond-shaped thing in our brain. And what it is, that is God's put in our brain to, to warn us, to take care of us, to cause us uh, a, a momentary fear. Uh, it's, it's the fear that all of a sudden somebody, when this morning, that we're driving here to church and a guy is texting and he goes whooping into our lane and almost gives us a head-on collision. It is the fear that goes, whoa, watch out, right? I mean, it's, the, it's what gets you, gets you going. If somebody yells, heads up, or something like that, it's the amygdala that makes you where, where you are protected. There was a time that uh, a couple of years ago that Bobby and I were up in, uh, we were up in Canada and we came across this, this bear. I took a picture of this, of this bear. Wow, it's a little dark there. But uh, this is a grizzly bear and everything. But it, and then a couple days later, we came across another bear that made this bear look like a chihuahua, okay? It was the biggest thing I've ever seen. It is walking down and it's probably about, about where you are right there, a couple of rows back. And, and it's that close to us walking down. It looked like a Toyota Corolla that had fur and big hunking claws. It was, am I right? Am I? It was, hum, it was humongous. Now, let me tell you that our amygdala, I would have taken a picture of that too, but I was too busy wetting my pants, okay? And our amygdalas were kicking in to high, high gear. Now, we know something that we know that when you find, uh, if you ever get attacked by a, by a black bear, you're supposed to act big and fight back with everything you've got. When you get, if you get attacked by a grizzly bear, you're supposed to play dead. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, well, our amygdala, my amygdala did not say play dead. It was telling me to run away screaming like a four-year-old girl, right? And then it was also telling me, it told me this, it said, you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun Bobby, Right? And then also said that, you know, right now you can use those poles, those climbing poles, you can use those to trip or impale Bobby to help you to get ahead of him. 
and stuff. But, you know, that's not, you know, I didn't exactly do those, those things. We, you know, we kind of said, hey, bear, to get its attention and thank God, it kind of just went off into the, into, into the woods there. But our amygdala was in high gear. But I just want to say, if you ever get to those, that part of, uh, of, of Canada and you just find this incredibly lush part of grass, you know Bobby and I have been to the exact, the, that exact place. That's what I, and, and so what happens is our amygdala is there. It's God's given gift to us to say, watch out, look out, to protect us. But the problem is sometimes our amygdalas run away with us, don't they? Have you ever seen the pictures of, of a carriage? Look at this. Here's a carriage ride going in. This is in Charleston. Now watch this. This is in slow motion. Can you imagine how exciting that bad boy would be just being on that carriage? Yeehaw! Right? Now you know, you, you and I have been there where our amygdalas did that, Right? Where our amygdalas go completely out of, uh, out of control. But then there's this thing that also God gave us called a prefrontal cortex. And what that is, is that's something in our brain to say to the amygdala, calm down, calm down, everything's going to be okay. It's not what you think it is. It's the, in the middle of the night when your amygdala, you hear a sound and your amygdala immediately wakes up and goes, alarm, 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 there's terrorists in the house, you're going to die, right? And it's the, uh, it's the prefrontal cortex that says, it's just the cat. And it's the prefrontal cortex that also says, let's deal with the cat in the morning, right? And so, but then there's also, you know, there's, there's, there's the times where our prefrontal cortex runs a little wild too, doesn't it? You ever had that? Maybe you, you, you're studying for a test. And you're studying for a test and you go, you know what, man, and you're feeling so worried and everything because you go, if I, man, if I don't pass this test, I'm not going to be able to get into the college that I want. And if I don't get into the college I want, I'm not going to have the, get the degree I want. And if I don't get the degree I want, then I'm not going to have the job I want. And if I don't get the job I want, then nobody's going to marry me. And if I don't have married, then I'm never going to have kids. And then, oh, talk about kids. Let's talk about kids for a moment. And, and someday I'm going to have to put them in school and there's, there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and there's heroin, and there's, there's danger and everything in the schools. And then, and then also, how am I going I'm going to pay for that. How am I going to pay for their braces? How am I going to pay for the instrument they never they never play? How am I going to ever play for pay for college? I'm not. I'm still paying for my college. How am I going to pay for their college? And this whole thing is giving me a headache, and I probably have a tumor, right? And your body has just gone all the way there from let's study for a test to this because sometimes our prefrontal cortex goes a little wild too. And what we need to have is we need to have, allow our spirit to override our prefrontal cortex. Amen. And so, um, and there's, you know, there's this one a beautiful passage that, that we took a look at, that we've taken a look at in this, especially in the small groups. And it's a passage uh, from, from the Paul writes. Now, again, the background for this is Paul was in prison in Philippi. He was in prison there. Now, what he wanted to be, we said, what he wanted to be was he wanted to go to Rome and preach in Rome. But instead, what he found himself is a prisoner in Rome. And what we talked about a few weeks ago is that he, that he reframed that and saw the good in it. He, he looked at what God was doing in the midst of that instead of just a situation that handed to him that he's going, God is in the middle of this, and I'm going to look through this because God's amazing and he's perfect and he'll never let me down. And so he saw what God was doing in the middle of the prison. And he wrote a pass, he wrote a some scripture that we're looking at today. That's how pretty cool that God is can take the prison, the bad situation, and make eternal life come out of it for, for many, of, many of us. Now, here's something that you may find interesting is of all the, the things that, that Kindle, of anybody that, uh, that underlines in a Kindle that you have the electronic thing, the most underlined book that Kindle ever has is the Word of God, is the Bible. And the most underlined passage in the Word of God that, that they underline is this passage that we're about to read. So what we're about to read is the most underlined passage in the world in Kindle, okay? 
And it's this. Maybe do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And let's break that down a little bit. The first thing it says is do not be anxious. Now, that's in the imperative in the Greek, and that means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Now, here's the good news. That blesses my heart that it's a commandment. You know why? Because here it is. It's saying I have a choice in it. Because God's not going to command us to do something that we don't have a choice in. So the fact that he's saying, I, I, don't be anxious and commanding it, I have a choice on whether to do it or not. It goes back to Jesus when he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give it as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. And again, he's not going to say that to us unless we have a choice in the matter. So we can either choice to let our hearts be troubled or let our hearts not be troubled. We have the choice in, in that. And it then it says, do not be anxious about anything. It's that last word that's so tough, isn't it? Because if it said, don't be anxious about the, you know, really the little things, don't sweat the small stuff, or, 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 or don't let be anxious about as many things, you know, I, I'm good with that. But anything, don't be anxious about anything, whew, it leaves no margin for error. And the, uh, the other thing, too, in, in this is this is in the, is in the present act present active tense, and that means it's ongoing action. This is really good, too, because what it is not saying is don't allow any anxious thoughts. There's never going to be an anxious thought in your mind, because that's unrealistic, right? I mean, anxious thoughts are going to come into our mind. There are times we're going to be anxious that anxiety, a thought of anxiety, a thought of this, a feeling of that, of, uh, of things, it's going to come into our mind. What it's really saying, what he's saying is this, don't, don't stay in a perpetual feeling of anxiety. Don't allow yourself to stay there. I love what Max Lucado said. He said this, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And then he said this, he said, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation. Did you think that every situation includes your financial situation that you're going through? Do you think that every situation talks uh, about the situation that's going on in your job? Do you think that everything talks about the, the situation going on in your school? Do you think that everything talks about, is that talking about all your relationships as well? Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, what's going on with your with child, a wayward child or things like that. Do you think that everything really means everything? I believe it does. Do not be anxious about anything. And here's what it says for us to do. The first thing it tells us to do is to pray. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Okay? Let your request be, be known to, to, to God. And here's the thing that a lot of times we have the tendency to go to anywhere but prayer at first when, we're, uh, when we're, we're nervous and when we're worried. We usually do one of three things. We usually either go immediately to the panic room, right? And we do the amygdala thing and everything, um, you know, chicken little, the, the sky's falling and everything. We go there or we go to the figure it out room. This is really what a lot of us do. We immediately go to how, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? And what we have, if we go straight to that, what we're doing is we're attacking that situation with our ingenuity and our resources and our, 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 our. It's all about us. We got, we're in that situation and we think we have to figure out how to get out of it. It's all up to us. The other thing is the lifelines thing where we phone a friend immediately. Something happens. Man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we talk to somebody else. A lot of times also we attempt to deaden the anxiety 
um, whether we, we you drink it, drug it, or something else in that. We lead the world by far in anxiety uh, drugs. And then, but, um, but for many people, here's the problem. For many people, that prayer is the last resort instead of the first, first thing that we go to, instead of our first resource. A lot of times, how many times have you ever heard, oh man, all we can do now is pray? Now imagine what that sounds like to God. He's going, oh, okay, you've gotten to that point, huh? That now it's up to, now the only thing you can do is now come to, come to me. And what we do, again, what would happen if we switched that around? And the first thing we did is we went to God in prayer. The second thing we did, Brad, I'm not saying we don't, you know, share it with other people. I'm not saying we don't try to think. And here's, and again, here's some of the things that, uh, that, here's, here's some of the things that prayer does first. First, prayer touches the heart of, of God. Jesus says this beautiful thing. He says, which of you, if, you're, if your child asks you for, for bread, would you give him a stone? And if, you, if they ask for, you know, for, for fish, would you, would you give him a snake? Of course not. He said, and if you, though you are evil, if you know how, good gifts, know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask, how much more will I give to you with, as, as, as my children? I mean, think about that. And what he's saying is, is this, that when, when, our chi- when our child calls out to us as a parent, it grabs our heart. When they say, Mom, Dad, I'm crying out to you, it grabs our heart. And if we can do that, how much more the heart that is absolute pure love and pure compassion, how much more does that grab the, the heart of God? The other thing is prayer changes things. That's one of the things, that is one of the foremost beliefs of our church is that we, pr- we, b- we pray because we truly believe that prayer changes things. And we pr- believe it changes things because we are bringing it before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one whose nothing is impossible to. The Bible says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you know why it's powerful and effective? Because the one we're calling out to is powerful and effective, right? Another thing it does is, is prayer... Prayer changes, uh, prayer changes us. And, and you, know, well, you know what I'm talking about. First of all, when we pray and we just spend some time in the middle of the anxiety and we just calm down and we pray, what does it do to our heart? I mean, doesn't it just, just calm us down even as we're starting without that? It also, it focuses us on, on God rather than focuses on the problem. And when we're focused on the problem, we calm down a lot too. But something else too that we might not be aware of is it changes our brain. When we pray, there's a, there's a whole new uh, thing that's, uh, field that's called spiritual neuroscience. And what it's talking about, what it's looking into is, is the, the correlation between or what happens when people have a belief in God, what happens to their brain? And what happens especially when people pray, what happens to their brain? And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. A lot happens. When we start to pray, understand this, when we start to pray, uh, the chemistry of our brain changes. Here's what one person says, Dr. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, in her her book, Switch on on Your Brain, which is an incredible book. It says this, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it could be measured on a brain scan. Think of that. Our prayer not only touches the heart of God, not only changes things, it changes us. In fact, listen to this. Just as toxic negative thoughts hurt the brain and pre-programs us for unhealthy living and uh, thinking and living, prayer, on the other hand, it heals the brain, renews and transforms the mind, and it pre-programs us for healthy living and thanksgiving. And that's the second thing is be grateful in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. 
thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Why did he put that in there? Why did he put those, those, those two words, with thanksgiving? Because they're so important. Because it's when we start praising God, when we start thanking him for what he's done, what we're doing is this. We're going, God, in our mind, we're thinking, the same God that saw me through here and here and here and here is the same God that's in my, in my battle in this situation, that's in, the, in, the, in my boat in the middle of this storm. It's the same God. And we start putting two and two together and goes, the same God that did is the same God that can. And that's what Thanksgiving can, can do for us. And I want to show you two, two things, two jars that we have in our house right now. And these are really, really important jars to us. And this is the first one is the thank you, you jar. And every day, every day, we, I think we've missed one day since, uh, since we've gotten this and we emptied it out yesterday. So that's why it's not full. But every day we put, uh, Sylvia and I put something that we are thankful for, maybe a couple of things that we are thankful for. And we put it in the jar because there's something that happens when we remember. There's something that happens when we take the time to go, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you did today. And then I'm telling you one thing. Yesterday, we, we opened it up because it's the first of the month. And we opened it up and we took all those thank yous and we just went through every single one of them. And you wouldn't believe how much you have to be thankful for until you look at a month's worth of thank yous and go, God, wow, 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 look what you did. But then something else, we have another jar. And that's the third thing is we, that we do is we give it to God. And there's also a, a God jar. And what this is, is this is where, and, and this is something I really recommend you do, that you make something, a jar, a box, or something into your God box, and you put it in, and what you do is if when you have an anxiety that is really overwhelming you, that is really taking you out, and you write something down, you write it down and go, and then you, then you put it in the jar, and what you're doing symbolically is, is doing this. God, you say for me to cast all my anxiety upon you because you care for me. So that's what I'm doing. I am going, I am casting this. This is now, this is now yours. And we leave it because this is what happens now. And again, this week I was going back to some, some of these things. And what I had to do in my mind is going, okay, if I'm going back to that fear, if I'm going back to that worry, what I'm literally having to do is get this out again and go, sorry, God, you can't handle this. I'm on my, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this. And you realize how stupid that is when you start to, to go there. Something that was beautiful, too, is we took that at the end of the month, and probably there were maybe at half the things that we had prayed for that we said, God, this is yours, this is too much for us, that half of them God had taken care of in, uh, in one month. And I love that. I challenge you, encourage you to put those, those things down. And what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying to live in denial and saying there is no problem because we're saying, God, there is. But I'm saying also, I'm not saying be irresponsible to go, okay, God, you know what? I'm having financial problems, so I'm just going to hear, I'm going to give it to you while I still roll up a whole lot of debt, right? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. The first thing is do what you can do, okay? Do what we can do in this situation. Maybe it is a financial problem. What can you do? You can get counseling. You can get, there's incredible Christian things out there like, like financial peace and, and, and Larry Bouquette stuff and all that of, of how to get out of debt and how to, how to live a, a, you know, a, 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 a positive financial life. What you can do is, is start ha- getting on a budget. What you can do is, is pay less than or spend less than you, you make and things, things like that. There are things you can do to do that. And maybe it's, maybe it's a health issue. 
There are things that you can do, right? There are things that we can do. We can try to take care of our body. We can eat right. We can exercise. We can go to good doctors. We can go to, we can, we can when there's prayer time, we can come up and have people, people pray for us. My devotion this morning was the, the woman with the issue of blood and, and reaching out and touching the hem of his garment. There's things that, you know what, when there's opportunity to have people pray for you, have people pray for you. That's something we can, we can do right there. Maybe it's a test that you're facing a big test. There's something you can do. You can study, 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 and then, after that, you can, you can study. What, if it's a relational issue, there's always some things we can do on our behalf to help out the relationship. There's things that we can, can do. But there's things that you and I can't do, right? And that's those things we give it to God. You, you can't change a person's heart, and neither can I. You can't make a person like you or love you. You can't make a person forgive you. In your, own, in your own strength, you probably can't break down those drawers of, of iron that are in front of you. Or, 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 or on your own, you can't make that mountain go into the sea. You can't make the walls of Jericho go down. You can't make the, wall, the, the ocean split, the sea split. Those are things that we can't do. We can't do a miracle in our own power. So that's up to God. There's all things that we can do and there's things that we can't do that are just up to Him. That we look to Him. But the third thing is, is we trust God no matter, no matter what. God says this, he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in, uh, because they trust in you. And so what is the result of that? If we do these things, what's going to happen? The Bible says, it says this, and the peace of God, God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word for guard, listen to what it means. It's uh, to form a protective wall around, to watch over, to hem in, or to mount a sentinel guard. And I thought about something. I thought about an event in my life that I've actually been in North Korea, okay? I've only been a few yards into North Korea, but I've been in North Korea. There's a, there's a place in the DMZ between Korea and South, uh, North Korea and South Korea, and there's a building that is half in North Korea and half in South Korea. And, uh, and I've been in that building, and I've been to the, north, uh, the northern side of that building, which is technically in North Korea. And there's a door there. And several Westerners, have, as North Koreans have heard Westerners talk there, they have kidnapped them and taken them to, to, to North Korea. But there is now a rock, rock guards there, okay? And these, these guards by the door, uh, they're, they're some of the most intense people I've ever seen in my life. They have that, that helmet, they have the, the, the sunglasses, and they're in a Taekwondo stance. And they're at the front of that, that, that thing. And I thought, when I was in there, even though I can look out and I could see the North Korean army right next to me, outside the windows, even took some pictures <laughs> and there's a, of that, I felt completely safe because of this guard that was inside or the guards that were inside there. And if, that's, if I'm feeling safe with that, how much more, that's the picture, though, that God is saying, I'm going to guard your mind. If you trust in me and you hang on to that trust in me, even when you feel like giving up and everything going on, I'm going I'm to guard your heart and I'm going to guard your mind with a, with a peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. You know, one of my friends, he was, uh, he was at an at a, um, art gallery, and he saw this, this, this picture. This, uh, and what it was is it had just this incredible storm. And there was waves just blowing, going against the, the rocks. And, and you could see it was raining and everything. And he looked at the title, and the title said, Peace. And he thought, well, this is the stupidest title I ever saw in my life. For this. this is anything but peace. This doesn't look like peace at all. But then he saw the thing. He saw what it was. And there was this little bird in the cleft of a rock 
over here. And it was just singing to its heart's content because even though it was in the middle of the storm, it was being sheltered and protected from the storm by the, by the rock. And there's a God who protects us from the storm. You know what I want to thank? I want to thank God for something. And one of our, the things that we praise God for is for the last couple months, uh, we had a, I had a cancer scare. Uh, that I had a lot of tests and things going through uh, through cancer. They thought I had that and, and got a clean bill of health on uh, on Friday that I that thank God cancer free. Thank you, God. But I'm saying in the midst of the storm, God can give us peace. In the midst of the storm, God can give us freedom. We don't have to go through that. I'm not saying that there's not going to be storms. There are going to be storms in, in life. But the Bible says, do not be anxious, a commandment about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your request be known to God and the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus amen if we can pray and if the prayer team can come forward at this time and maybe you're here and if we could stand let's stand Maybe right now you're going through an anxious thing. You're going through a situation that is, um, there's a storm in your life. And just please come to the altar. Let people pray for you. Just give that to God. Right now, symbolically, we can give that to, to, to God. And virtually, we can give that to God. But there's people here that want to pray for you, that are anxious to pray for you. But God, thank you that you're a God that, uh, that gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Thank you, God, that we can sing and we can even find joy in the midst of the storms of of life because you are that rock. You are the one who guards us. And so God, help us to be steadfast in our trust for you. Help us to be able to do what we do and can do. Help us to give you what we can't do. But God, help prayer not be our last resort, but our first resource, God. And I pray for every person here who's struggling with whatever they're struggling with. God, every fear, every worry, every anxiety, we pray right now that we give this to you. We give it to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you that you're more than enough. Thank you, God, that you can handle any situation and any problem. We thank and we give you praise. And all God's people said.